Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, provided by Living Stream Ministry and featuring the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. Witness Lee served the Lord faithfully for more than 70 years, culminating with his exhaustive commentary on the entire scriptures called Life Study of the Bible. We're happy to bring you recorded excerpts from his ministry. At the end of the program, we'll give you the website where you can find out more about the remarkable ministry of these two men. But for now, we hope you enjoyed today's program. God's complete salvation includes redemption, escape from the world, and baptism. These three elements are all vividly portrayed in the book of Exodus as we see ourselves again and again through the depictions of this wonderful book. Pharaoh, representing God's enemy, plays a key role in God's bringing his people Israel through these stages of complete salvation. How does he use Pharaoh in our lives today? And we have Dick Taylor back with us to join in the fellowship. Welcome back to the program, Dick. Thanks a lot, Chris. I really like to join you in this precious episode. Dick, through the first 14 chapters of Exodus, we've seen a lot of things, but there are really three significant events related to the Lord's people. The Passover, their exodus or exit out of Egypt, and the crossing of the Red Sea. Dick, as pictures of our own experience, these are really unmatched in Scripture. What do these sections refer to in our experience? These refer to our complete salvation. I appreciate this message very much because it brings out that these three matters combine to show us God's complete salvation and our experience of this salvation. You have the redemption, which transpires in the Passover. And we're redeemed not with things like gold and silver, but we're redeemed with the precious blood of the Lamb, without spot and without blemish. This salvation includes being redeemed. Redeemed, that is, to be bought at a price, to be redeemed at a cost, out of Satan's grip and out of his world. And also, there needs to be an exodus out of that world and out of that realm. And there needs not only to be an exodus, but there needs to be a burial, a full termination of such a life that separates us from God and hinders us in the fulfillment of God's eternal purpose. So these three matters, the Passover, the exiting out of Egypt, and this baptism in the Red Sea, these all three combine to show us a picture of God's complete salvation out of Satan and his world into God for his eternal purpose. Dick, we're going to take a close look at all three of these elements today of God's full salvation. Let's join Witness Lee. We have come to Pharaoh's last struggle. As we have seen, God's complete salvation should include three sections. Number one, the Passover. Number two, the Exodus out of Egypt. Number three, the crossing of the Red Sea. And we all can understand the Passover signifies God's redemption. Exodus signifies going out of the world. And lastly, the third section, the crossing of the sea. 
signifies baptism. Redemption plus going out of the world and plus the baptism. These three things together are a complete salvation. And this salvation is exactly what we need and exactly what we have enjoyed. Now, how could the three sections of God's salvation be accomplished? Suppose there was not such a person as Pharaoh. You think about it. Without Pharaoh, could there be a Passover? Without Pharaoh, could there be that kind of exodus? We all have to say, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for his sovereignty. Because Pharaoh was there opposing, Pharaoh was there struggling, so that builded up a kind of environment that needed the Passover. We can say Pharaoh constituted a kind of environment that needed the Passover. You have to realize the Passover includes more than mere redemption. Many Christians realize the need of redemption, but they don't have much realization of the need of Passover. The Passover is richer than redemption. Why? Because you have to realize in the Passover night, not only the children of Israel were saved, at the same time when they were saved, the Egyptians were dead. Well, Dick, God's complete salvation certainly includes redemption and how we praise the Lord for the marvelous redemption that we have in Him. But we see that it must also include an exodus from the world and the reality of our baptism into Christ and into His death and into His resurrection. A lot of believers, experientially at least, know the first of these three, the blessed redemption. But how can we all be brought into the experience of the other two-thirds of God's salvation? The only way to be brought into the other two-thirds is to even see that there are two more thirds. I appreciate very much John chapter 3, where the Lord was telling Nicodemus, unless you're born anew, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Then he said, unless you're born anew, you cannot enter the kingdom of God, indicating that to see is really equal to enter. So to really see the full and complete salvation of God shown in these three matters, the Passover, the Exodus, and the baptism, this is really the way to begin to participate in the experience of God's complete salvation. So really, to answer your question, I'd have to say, to see allows us to enter. If you don't see these three aspects of God's complete salvation, very hard to enter. Dick Witness Lee, at the end of his speaking, seemed to express a concern about the extent of redemption experienced by most believers today. How is he applying that in this message? He's applying that in the sense that not only were they merely redeemed out of Egypt by the uh, sacrifice of the Lamb, 
but also there was a real judgment on the powers of darkness and on those who were holding them in this bondage. So the full experience of the Passover is not just the experience of merely being redeemed, but also of all the evil powers that are holding us away from God, signified by Egypt, are also being judged by God. We have to say hallelujah for the Passover. There's not only the redemption of us, but there's a judgment of all the powers that hold us back from being with our God. So these two experiences really were accompanying one another. There was the freedom of their being saved, but there was also the definite sense of the judgment of evil that was holding them. Amen. These two go right together. Let's go back to Witness Lee. The entire nation of Egypt, with all the Egyptians, rose up and are already against the Lord. You can see the Exodus was actually needed by the environment created by Pharaoh. Even the Exodus, I would say, was carried out by Pharaoh. You just think, without Pharaoh's help, would the children of Israel go out of Egypt? Suppose Pharaoh and the Egyptians were all welcoming the children of Israel. I don't think 10% of the children of Israel would leave Egypt. Pharaoh helped. Pharaoh, eventually the Bible says, drove them out. Pharaoh built up the Exodus according to God's ordination, or God's economy. In God's salvation, there is the need of the baptism. God led them this way by the pillar in front of the army in the march. So no doubt the pillar marched this way and then the pillar turned this way. When they turned this way, in a good sense, they got stuck there. They were held there because Regular speaking, not many people use this part to cross the Red Sea. So they got stuck there. You read 14, the first four verses. You could see that Pharaoh was tempted. Pharaoh said, my, it is altogether stupid to let the children of Israel go. What have we done? The stupid. They've been serving us for centuries. Why we let them go? Now you see, they were wandering aimlessly in the eyes of Pharaoh. Of course, in the eyes of the Egyptians, they could understand. They would think, all these Israelites, they were fools. They didn't know the right way to go on. Uh, first day, they took a way southward, downward, to the south, and then they made a turn to the east. And then they uh, will hit the Red Sea. That was foolish. If you check with the experiences of so many among us, right after we got saved and before we were baptized, we were wandering aimlessly. Of course, spiritually speaking, God has an aim for you. And you do have a spiritual goal. Maybe you don't know. But you could realize after you were saved, there was a spiritual goal. But 
Humanly speaking, you were not clear about your future. This kind of wandering without an A all the time stirs up more persecution. Your parents will persecute you. You see, your friends will persecute you. Your schoolmates will persecute you. They will say, you just have lost your, your goal. What are you doing here? This kind of persecution always helps people to have a very good, a thorough baptism. Pharaoh comes after you. The new converts should bring the whole army of the world into the baptistry. Let the whole army of this world be buried there in the baptismal water. Pharaoh did help Israel in the three sections of the salvation. He helped them to have a good Passover. He helped them to have a quick and thorough exodus. And he helped them to have an adequate and complete baptism. The type is so clear and so complete, so perfect. Dick, this was a very precious segment. I think you and I have both seen baptisms over the years, and the ones that seem to be the most meaningful and have the greatest impact are the ones where the new believers getting baptized have experienced maybe some persecution. and They're paying a real price, at least outwardly, to be baptized. This gives a real meaning to the idea that Pharaoh and the Egyptian army have been left in the Red Sea, doesn't it? It really does. And when you read Exodus 14, 1 through 31, you realize this is a tense chapter. And the, the children of Israel, they're right on the edge of the sea. And then all of a sudden they see Pharaoh with all of his army pursuing them, and they are scared to death. At that point, the Lord tells Moses to stretch out his rod over the Red Sea. And that's when they pass through the Red Sea. And as the Egyptians follow them, Eventually, the Lord takes off their wheels and causes them to be stuck in the mud in the bottom of the Red Sea, and Pharaoh and his army and all the Egyptians are buried. This shows how precious baptism is, because the Israelites got on the other side, and they saw what really happened to the Egyptians. So this matter of Pharaoh and the Egyptian army having been left in the Red Sea is a big thing. Baptism should not be merely a ritual, but it's our being baptized into Christ. It's also the experience of the death of Christ, in which everything negative, including Satan and his world, are terminated and buried. You can see the children of Israel really appreciated their baptism because when they got on the other side, they began to dance and to sing and to shout because on the one side, they realized they were being pursued and persecuted. In fact, they could be killed. But through baptism, they got saved from Pharaoh and the Egyptian army. We have to realize that baptism is very significant. When we get baptized, we also, through the death of Christ, are saved from Satan and from his army, from his world, and we're separated unto God for God's eternal purpose. What a precious picture this gives us related to the true significance of baptism. Pharaoh and his army are left in the bottom of the Red Sea. Praise the Lord. 
Dick, a lot of believers may not have experienced any outward persecution, but in a sense, all believers have a kind of chase going on, don't they? They sure do. Invisibly, whether we're aware of it or not, Satan and his army is pursuing us. There are a number of us who in the past have believed in the Lord, but it wasn't until we got baptized that the Lord became very real to us, especially in the sense of something pursuing us being judged. We can see from this that to be properly baptized really helps us to be properly saved. There is a lot of meaning to baptism, so we encourage all of you who are listening not only to believe in the Lord Jesus, but also to be baptized, that Satan and his army might be judged. Mark 16, 16 says, He who believes and is baptized shall be saved, but he who does not believe shall be condemned. This verse vindicates this picture from Exodus, that our complete salvation involves being redeemed by believing, exiting out of the world, and being baptized. The first half of this verse shows He who believes and is baptized shall be saved. Second half says, he who does not believe shall be condemned, indicating that to believe is good enough to experience God's salvation. There is a teaching out there that is false that says you must believe and you must be baptized, otherwise you're not saved. No, you can believe and experience salvation, but your salvation is not as full as it could be. So you need baptism. Baptism is a completion in your believing that salvation would be more real and experiential to you. So in this respect, we must believe and be baptized. Dick, I appreciate very much your bringing up that point. This is an area where it's easy to be misled or misunderstood. And there is a lot of emphasis in this ministry on baptism, and it is very much connected to salvation because it is scripturally, as you have pointed out in Mark and in other passages. But we do want to be clear so that we do not fall into this trap of this false teaching that regeneration takes place only in baptism. That's true. Let's go back to Witness Lee. God commanded them to go there, to go to that end. While they were being held there, Pharaoh came with chariots, 600 particularly chosen chariots, and many other chariots. When the children of Israel look back, those faithless, pitiful children of Israel all complained. They did have the best utterance. Listen to their complaint. First is that, were there no graves in Egypt? Didn't we tell you? Let us alone. Don't bother us. We like to serve the Egyptians. Then they say to serve the Egyptians is much better than to come here and die without a grave. We will say the same thing. But Moses said, stand still. When you will keep silent, God will do something. Pharaoh was very close. If we were there, I think we would all be scared to death. And they had all the chariots, and we had nothing. At this time, chapter 3, you could say the angel of Jehovah was just Jehovah. And Jehovah was just God. Christ was the leader there. He was in front of the camp. By this time, Christ, the end of God, 
right away moved to the rear. And he moved to the rear, the pillar moved. Actually, he and the pillar were one. On the Egyptian side, the pillar wall was dark. It gives darkness. But on the side of the children of Israel, it gave light the protection. The Lord's guidance is always a pillar of light. Since the day you believed in the Lord Jesus, within you, you have the light. When opposition came, the guiding light was before you. Now the guiding light goes to the back, becoming the protecting light. This is the way that the Lord protects his people. Dick, this was a marvelous narration by Witness Lee of this final chase scene as the Lord led his people as the pillar, which was the light, up to the edge of the Red Sea. And then just as Pharaoh is closing in, the pillar swings around behind the Israelites to be between them and Pharaoh and his army. And to the children of Israel, he was light. To the Egyptians, he was darkness. What is the significance of all of this, Dick, in the life of a Christian? In the life of a Christian, Chris, it really means Christ is everything to us. On one hand, positively, he's the guiding light to take us on. On the other hand, he's the protecting light. To all of our enemies, he becomes the darkness. As he's guiding us on one hand, he's protecting us on the other. And Christ today is the wonderful life-giving spirit. Romans 8:14 says, for as many as are led by the spirit, Christ is positively our guiding light. While he's the guiding light, he's also protecting us from the rear. John 8:12 is a wonderful verse. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall by no means walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life, indicating that he's the light for us to go on, and he is also the protection to us from the darkness. In him is no darkness at all. So this is the significance of this matter of Christ being the pillar to the children of Israel, positively giving them light and also protecting them, but negatively being darkness to the enemy behind them. I also appreciate in the Gospels, to the disciples, the Lord was light, but to the religionists, he was the cause of darkness. The more they opposed him, the more darkness they went into. The one who should have been light to them became darkness to them. They were experiencing what the Egyptians experienced in the Old Testament. As long as we oppose God's people, you can be sure the one who is light to his people becomes thick darkness to you. And the more you oppose, the greater the darkness becomes, even to the point where you become a nonsensical person. So this is a warning. Don't mess around with this one who is leading us into the wilderness to be separated unto him for the building up of his tabernacle. Another precious verse I was thinking of is Acts 26:18, where Paul was charged by the Lord to turn people from darkness to light. He himself was a religionist. He believed in God. What's religion mean? It means to worship God without any enjoyment of Christ. And he was a person who was a religionist and was in absolute darkness. 
and he didn't realize it till the day of his conversion. Then he realized he was completely in the dark. Only then did he enjoy Christ as the very light of life and realized where he had been. He'd been on the wrong side of this pillar. But the day of his conversion, he got the pillar into him and his life became a life that was full of Christ as light. We don't want to be found opposing God or his people or this one will be darkness to you. May we all turn our heart to the Lord, not opposing the Lord, then we will enjoy him as the bright shining light taking us all the way unto glory. Dick, the insidious thing about darkness is that most often you're not even aware that you're in it until you get light. So until the light comes, what a horrible place to be. That's right, that's a horrible place to be. But we have the one who is light and life. And he is our salvation. Isn't it good to enjoy this salvation? It is good to enjoy this salvation and be in the light. Thanks, Brother Dick, for your fellowship today. You're welcome, Brother Chris. Today, for Dick Taylor, I'm Chris Wilde. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs consist of excerpts from Witness Lee's spoken ministry, along with our discussion and comments, and all focusing on God's heart's desire that we would enjoy Christ as the divine life for man. There are more than 1,700 programs like this one available online free of charge that you can download, stream live, or add to your podcast subscription. Just visit our website, lsmradio.com. That's lsmradio.com. You can also reach us by email, radio at lsm.org. Thanks for listening today.